flag for the rest of this field. We'll light that candles on Rodney Childers' birthday cake because Kevin Harvick wins Atlanta. Great hit stop at foot. I don't know what you guys did to this thing at the end, but great job. Last fall, he led every stage and got the win. Martin Truex wins Martinsville. First win for crew chief James Small. Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And what can I say? We are hot right now. We're hot. If it's the first time you're listening to us, you're catching us at a really good time. We've got a lot to get to in this episode, breaking down quickly two races, not one, but two races in the past week. So it's very busy around here. And then, of course, we will look ahead because that's what we do. We're going to take a look at Homestead Miami Speedway, and we'll eventually get to some picks, odds to win the race, talk about some top tens. We'll talk about some head-to-head matchups, as we always do. And then at the end, we'll actually dig a little bit deeper. We're going to take a look at some of the trucks and Xfinity races coming up this weekend because there are four races total this weekend in Miami. So we'll talk a little bit about those at the end. So that is what we have ahead on this episode. So let's start by taking a quick look back. We had two races, Atlanta and Martinsville. And like I said, these were completely opposite of one another, in my opinion. So we'll start with Atlanta. I I think this is a total snooze fest. And when we go into a mile and a half racetrack, I feel like that's the best time to bet on that race because typically it's not very exciting. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of excitement. Granted, there are tons of different races that you could point to to say, oh, look how great this race was, and that's true. You're right. But for the most part, I think people are down on NASCAR because there are so many cookie-cutter, mile-and-a-half racetracks, and it leads to sometimes boring racing. And in this case, in Atlanta, it did not produce. Atlanta has come up big in the past, but this past weekend, it did not really work out. Now, I may be a little skewed, a little biased, because we missed on our money line pick to win. I did mention Harvick as a fringe pick, uh, because he was going off as more of a favorite, but regardless, he was just dominant the whole race, and it made it not really fun to watch, but that's why you bet on the races, and we've got another mile and a half racetrack coming up this weekend, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Because mile and a halfs are important in the schedule if you're a driver. You know, they're, they're a big deal, big chunk of the, the schedule. So we'll, uh, we'll get to Miami, but Atlanta didn't really do it for me. Jeff Gluck, his poll, was it a good race, yes or no? I watched the race and thought this was just not great. And I was supported in that by the results of this Twitter poll because 38% of the people said it was a good race, which made it dead last for 2020 and one of the worst races he's ever seen on the poll since he started it a few years ago, like 2018, 2019, and now 2020. It was one of the worst ever. So that's telling you something. And, you know, they're really going to have to look at that moving forward, how they can kind of change the packages up for these mile and a half to make them more interesting. But in any case, 
the the race was won by Harvick. He got the job done, and he just continues to to dominate this year. He remains number one in the standings, and um, we moved to Martinsville after that, and it was a completely different story. We're hot coming out of Martinsville because we took Martin Truex Jr. to win the race, among a few other people who we called out. Now, I want to pat ourselves on the back here because we called out Blaney, and he was up there. He finished second, and we also called out Joey Logano, who was also up at the front. So we had, I, I had money on three of the top four guys, I think, in that race and, you know, really cash in. I love seeing that. It's a lot less pressure when you've got the, the right picks. It just feels good to know that you you really hit the nail on the head when we did the research, put the bet slips in. So uh, we came out good with the, the winner, had a lot of money on Truex. And then in addition to that, we had a, a super value pick in Clint Boyer, and he was up at the front, towards the front at least, the beginning stage, stage one, you saw a lot of Clint Boyer, and that made me really happy because we're like, wow, look at this, you know, our, our super pick. He was going off at plus 2,000, I think, when the green flag dropped. Really good to see him up there. It makes you feel even more confident. So very good. Hit some head-to-heads. Um, Denny Hamlin went off at plus 650 on race day, and I jumped on that. It really backfired, but I liked that value for Denny, but we'll talk more about him in just a bit. Um in any case, head-to-heads worked out for us. I even, last second, jumped in on a uh, group bet with Bubba Wallace winning his group, and that paid off for me there. So, all in all, I'm feeling really good coming out of Martinsville. I'm loving my picks for this week just because my confidence levels through the roof. But Martinsville, I mean, it's a great racetrack. People love short tracks. And I'll tell you what, it's just night and day compared to a racetrack like Atlanta. I mean, there's so much going on at that short track we have that combined with the fact that these guys aren't getting any practice in you're seeing names up at the front that first stage i mean you had to Detto up there michael mcdowell was up there for a while Corey lajoy was fighting up front i mean he restarted first at one point because he stayed out it, everybody was all jacked up you had big names two laps down very early it was just really fun to watch these guys entertain and really have to overcome some adversity there so Really liking what I'm seeing there at Martinsville and just short tracks overall. Past you know a few races, we had a couple at Bristol or at least a race at Bristol there. And now Martinsville, two short tracks in short period of time, coming out with some good stuff. So I, I don't know what the result of the, the Gluck poll on this one yet, but I really enjoyed it. So Martinsville, we'll cash in and we're going to take that momentum and we're going to apply that to Homestead, Miami, because that's where we're going next. Now, when we talk about Homestead, Miami Speedway, there are a few points that I really want to dig in on to start this part of the podcast. But before we do, as always, it's always a good thing to to review some of the track stats. And once again, track stats are sponsored by Sean Boy. If you are someone who has a boss on you trying to say, hey, I need this Excel spreadsheet now, and you don't know what to do, give Sean Boy a call. Maybe, you know, golf's coming back. Maybe you're trying to put together a, a nice golf pool for your buddies um, to, you know, wager a little money that way, and you don't know really what you're doing. Give Sean Boy a call. He is the guy when it comes to analytics, spreadsheets, pivot tables. It doesn't matter. He's the stats guy. He's the numbers guy. So give Sean Boy a call if you're in that boat. Remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. All right, so this is a totally different 
set of track stats compared to what we've looked at in the past few episodes because where we're coming from, Martinsville, that had 142 races, we're looking at only 21 races. So they've been coming here once a year since like 1999. And that's it. You know, they haven't really forced their hand there trying to get more races. It's been once a year. So small sample size from what we're used to. So two times a winner has started on the pole and won the race. But the last time it happened was Kurt Busch in 2002. So really not that big of an advantage. I would actually say starting on the, the front row or the pole would really be kind of a, a disadvantage. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say that, especially at a mile and a half. But in any case, it just hasn't been lucky. Now, for this year, obviously, it's going to be pulled out of a hat, see where these guys are starting. So qualifying, um, a little bit different. But winners have started in the top five 13 times out of 21. That's 61% of the time. Starting in the top 10, 15 times. So not much of a difference between starting in the top five and top 10. Uh, that's good enough for 71% of the time. But starting outside of the top 20, it's only happened twice, 9% of the time. The last time it happened was Denny Hamlin. He won back in 2009. He started 38th. So the question is, what are these stats telling us? It, it's really telling me that anybody in and around that 5 to 15 mark starting in those positions has a chance to win this race is what I'm seeing. Um, obviously, top five is phenomenal. So if you're lucky enough to have a, a driver that you're betting on starting up in that area, it's even better. But I wouldn't be scared off from anyone starting all the way back to you know, 15, 16. That would probably be my limit. So let's talk about, though, the points that are coming this weekend when we get to Homestead Miami Speedway. So the first things first, this track has always, ever since it came on the circuit, has always been the last race of the year. So that means two different things to me. The first is that it's used to being the championship venue. And since 2014, we've seen races here where there's been four guys going into Homestead with a chance to win a championship. So out of those four guys, whoever finishes the highest between the four of them wins a title. It changes their life. And I've always been on the opinion that that race, even though it's entertaining and it's great, it changes the way that the flow of the race goes on. What I mean by that is if you are somebody who wasn't part of that top four, you're going to race those guys a little less hard than you would on a normal day because you don't want to be the guy to wreck out a championship contender and potentially ruin their you know, career because um, maybe that's the only time they'll get into that spot. So you don't want to have that stigma. You don't want to have that bad karma on you. So you're going to let up a little bit when those guys are around you. That is now out the window. We're going to see for the first time really ever a full slate of drivers with nothing to lose and, and nobody giving anybody an inch, which is great because, you know, as we talked about, it's, a, it's another mile and a half. So we're going to need as good of racing as we possibly can to kind of, you know, get that stigma out of here for those types of cookie cutter tracks. The second thing that comes to mind when we talk about the fact that the date moved for Miami is the weather. So not only did they move the Homestead Miami race 
to be no longer in November when it's nice and cooler down there. But COVID messed up the NASCAR schedule. And so now I think this race was supposed to be run uh, earlier in the year. Now we're hitting Miami, Florida in the middle of June, one of the most muggy, hot months in the entire year. So that is definitely going to play a factor in this race because the track's going to be way different than these guys have ever seen it in the past. It's no longer a night race. It's no longer in November. It's a day race in the middle of June in South Florida. The the track is just going to act differently. I mean, if you think that you have a book on this track, if you're a team and you're, you're completely going off of everything, you're no room for variables, then you're screwed. You know, if, if you're a driver who has had a lot of success here in the past, and we're going to talk about some of them, but if you're strictly going into this with all that confidence, thinking that you're good, you are going to be in for a surprise in my opinion, because listening to Cole Pern, former crew chief of Martin Truex Jr. earlier this week, he was talking about this and saying how the crew chiefs are going to be, you know, really up for a challenge here because of the way the, the racetrack is going to be much different with the heat and, you know, the, the sunlight, the daylight compared to what they've seen before. So what does that mean exactly? Well, according to Cole Pern, tire wear could be a factor where in the past it wasn't here. And if you're looking at the history of this race, very low cautions. I think the average, you know, in, in at least recent history is right around five cautions, which isn't a lot, especially when you're talking talking about stages getting in there as well. So you need the guys who are good at long runs and who in, historically have not had problems with tire wear or been able to, to handle that stuff. Really hard to predict, really hard, because there's not much stuff out there for us to be able to look at that stuff. But um in any case, I mean, when you're thinking about guys to pick to either win the race or head-to-head matchups or whatever the case, you really want to pick strong teams and strong crew chiefs that are going to be able to overcome this adversity because these guys have not seen it yet. They have not seen this racetrack in this atmosphere, dressed in this way. So it'll be you know very fun to watch how they handle it. So those are the points that you want to make. This is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past with Homestead Miami. So with that, let's get to the picks that we like on the money line because they released the odds the day after this Martinsville race ended. So we've got them as early as we possibly could get them. And I'm seeing some value here in a few different guys. So we're going to go through. Got a few guys we're going to call out and I'm starting with Denny Hamlin. I mentioned him earlier for a reason. He's going off at plus 1,000, 10 to 1. For Denny Hamlin. That seems a little high to me. I feel like as we get closer to race day, that number is going to go down a little bit, but I'm going to snag him at plus 1,000. In his last 10 races here, he has one win, one top five, and seven top tens. And I know qualifying doesn't matter this week, but in the past, he has had four poles in the last five years. So he started first four out of five years in a row. That's crazy. I mean, he clearly knows his way around. Now, the the thing about this is he won the race right before they made it the the championship four. Um, So that playoff format took place. And ever since then, he hasn't come back to to win a race because I think it might have messed with his head a little bit. 
you know? I mean, you win a race at that track, championship, or, or, you know, the end of the season, and then they go ahead and basically say that if you're in the top four and you win the race, you win the championship. That, that's got to mess with you a little bit. So he hasn't won since 2013, but he's been pretty good here. And looking at his driver rating, he's fifth. His driver rating is 96.7, so that's pretty good. And his average finish is the same. He's average finish in the last 10 races here is 10.5. So really solid numbers for someone going off at plus 1,000. I like it. Um, Denny is someone who rebounds very well. I want to let you in on a little secret, a little pattern that I found looking at Denny's season so far this year. And that's when he finishes outside of the top 10. He comes back and he has a top six finish the next week. That includes a win. So he was dismal at Martinsville. I mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought his, what they call a home track in Virginia, he's been great there in the past, multiple wins in the past 10 years, and he goes and lays a huge egg. I mean, he was a lap down before he even blinked, two laps down before stage one was over. And just could not get it together. For someone as competitive as we know Denny Hamlin is, he is going to be coming back really strong, I think, this week at Homestead Miami. I think he is not going to let that lie for very long. And the pattern for this season has shown that. So, also, you're going to hear me talk a lot about how these guys have done this year on mile-and-a-half racetracks. Because mile-and-a-halves are a thing. If you can figure them out, you're good. And this year, Denny finished fifth at Atlanta and second at Charlotte. So that they have a, a setup that's good for a mile and a half. And I think they're good enough to, to punch home a win. So mark me down to win the race at plus 1,000. I just think that odds, those odds are great. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about top 10 in a bit, but I feel like he's a must bet to finish in the top 10. Six of the last seven races, he has finished in the top 10. So Good numbers here we're seeing out of Denny Hamlin. He's going to be my first pick to win the race this Sunday. The next guy I have is also going off at plus 1,000. So these guys just a couple weeks ago were much, much lower. I feel like there's something up here with these odds, but we're going to go with Brad Keselowski, plus 1,000. So 10 to 1. He doesn't have a win here in his last 10 races, but he's got three top fives, five top tens. No polls, but he still starts well, all right? Nine of his last 10 races, he has started inside the top 10. So what does that tell you? That's telling you that he's good off the truck. And this is a scenario where you need to be good off the truck. The first laps you're taking are going to be under the green flag, so you need to be good right then and there. And Brad clearly knows how to wheel it right off the bat. Six of eight our top 10 finishes, his driver rating is ninth out of all active drivers. And when we're talking about average finish in the last 10 races here, his average finish is good enough for ninth overall. He's actually tied with Clint Boyer for ninth. It's 12.5. So good numbers. But then we want to look at mile and a half this year. So Atlanta, Las Vegas, and both Charlotte races, he has four top 10s with a win on the Coke 600. So Good numbers all around with the mile and a half tracks this year. We have seen that he can perform very well at Homestead. He's good off the truck. For me, when it comes to who you're going to bet on, 
it's really about the value here. It, it shocks me that he's at 10 to 1 plus 1,000. That is the thing that is calling me towards Brad as opposed to somebody like Joey Logano, who has actually finished as the highest Penske driver the last four years at Homestead Miami. But Logano is going off at plus 700 right now. So I feel like they're very, you know, comparable. They're very close to each other in terms of their stats and their history. And obviously their season, you know, both of them are performing very well. So in this scenario, I'm going to go with somebody like Brad, who's got a better value and he's a very capable driver in this scenario. So plus 1,000, mark me down for Kozlowski and the two team as well. Now, for the third pick that I have here, I am going to go with a little bit more of a favorite, and this is Chase Elliott. I've been going back to this well multiple times this year. I've picked Chase to win, and we've, we've cashed in on him at least once. But at Homestead, he only has four starts, so very small sample size. But the thing about Chase is he has shown that as a younger driver, he's able to perform a little bit better than his other younger counterparts. So the stat here that I have is... Of all drivers with less than 10 starts at Homestead Miami Speedway, he's the only one who is currently in the top 10 of all active drivers for average finish and driver rating. So that's saying something because especially for average finish, right? You could go out there and rip off a, you know, top five for one race and then all of a sudden your average finish is five. But that's not the case right now. It's clearly a tough track to handle as a youngster. And Chase has proven that, you know, he's up for the challenge. So that's a telling stat to me that he's not intimidated by it. And he has never been in the championship four in any of the races that he's been in, but he's still able to go off and perform well. So his driver rating is sixth overall out of all active drivers. It's 95.1. And when we're talking about average finish, in the last 10 races here, his average finish is 9.5. That's good enough for fourth overall out of all active drivers. So that's great stuff. So now let's, you know, move off of the, the history when it comes to Homestead Miami and go more towards the mile and a half stuff this year. Three out of the four mile and a halfs, he's finished in the top 10. He's got one win and one second place finish. So the Hendrick Camp, the nine team, has Figured out mile and a half so far. I mean, they're doing pretty well. Hendrick as a whole has turned it around. Chevy as a whole has really turned it around. I mean, this time last year, they were completely out to lunch, unable to compete, really. And now they're really setting the tone. The Hendrick drivers are really performing well, and Chase is their leader right now. Um, sorry, Jimmy Johnson fans, but that's just really the case. So plus 700 is what he's going off at at the moment. I think that's still really good value for Chase Elliott. He's got the name that goes along with him at this point in the season and, and in his career. He's a, he's turning into a little bit of a Kyle Busch where bookmakers have the, the name up there, Kyle Busch, and they automatically you know lower the odds like about 100 just because of the name. And Chase is kind of turning into that. But we're seeing plus 700 for him right now. I'm going to jump on that. Um, obviously, we'll find out later where they're starting. But for Chase, I don't think that matters. I'm going to take him at plus 700 to win the race at Miami. After that, I've got one more guy, and this is what I'm calling my super value pick. Last week, I took Boyer, and it was working out. It was really working out in the first stage, uh, but he just wasn't able to, to hold on. And I know that this pick is a little out there, 
but I'm willing to take a, a flyer on him. And he's going off. The thing that's just standing out to me is that he's going off at plus 5,000, 50 to 1. That's super value for you right there, baby. Matt Kenseth, all right? He jumped into the scene, his first race at Darlington for when he took over for Kyle Larson. And everyone was like, oh, baby, watch out. You know, he's going to be something. And ever since that first race, he has really done nothing. He's been laying stinkers left and right. So there, you have to, you know, as you're saying, you're going to take him to win the race. You have to call that out first, right? It's like when you're buying a house, you got to call out everything that's wrong with the house first. But then you end up buying it, all right? I'm going to buy Matt Kenseth and the 42 team for a number of different reasons right now. In his last nine races, because he missed last year, he's got no wins, two top fives and eight top tens and a pole. He won this race in 2007. So career numbers, I mean, he's been around forever. He's got a lot of career numbers, one in 2007 and six straight top 10 finishes at this racetrack. His driver rating out of all active drivers is second, second. And he's going off at plus 5,000. That's wild. I mean, I get it. He's having a rough year, a rough comeback. But still, I mean, there are some guys going off ahead of him that that doesn't really make sense. So he's good at this track. Larson is the guy who he's replacing. And he has always been someone that the media and all the talking heads in NASCAR have said, if he could just get to that final four, goodness, does that stack up well for him and that team? Because he is so well at Homestead Miami. He's He drives really good there. That team just performs there. Well, if Larson has historically good numbers at Homestead Miami, that's the team that Matt Kenseth is racing for. So you got to combine the two and say, why not? I mean, at that value, it's there. He's still figuring out 2020, but who among us isn't? I mean, this year is bizarre. So really makes a lot of sense. Now, this is kind of a, a transition into the top 10 pick, but I would say going off at plus 350 to finish in the top 10 is a must. You must take that. Six races in a row, he's finishing the top 10? Come on. You're not going to find a guy with those numbers with that value. But I'm still stuck on odds to win. He's our super value pick. Lock it in. If he wins, I need to hear from you if you want money on this one because I'm going to be throwing some cash down and crossing my fingers and cashes in. Oh, baby, that's going to give us some good, good spending money for the rest of this summer. So to recap our picks to win at Miami Homestead, we're going to go with Denny Hamlin at plus 1,000, Brad Kislowski at plus 1,000, Chase Elliott plus 700, and super pick, super value pick, Matt Kenseth plus 5,000. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Before we get to the head-to-head matchups, I do want to touch on a couple of the top 10 prop bets and also a group prop bet. So I already called out as people who you probably should take to finish in the top 10 is Denny Hamlin and Matt Kenseth. Um, Hamlin's going to be going off at probably like minus 150, which I could understand steering clear of that. Uh, but Kenseth seems like a lock to me right now going off at plus 350. But I want to call out a couple other guys who could be worth a look come Sunday. So the first one going off at plus 225 is Clint Boyer. All right. Seven top tens in his last 10 races here. He's got eight top tens in his career. 
and he's got back-to-back top 10 finishes here. So last two times to Homestead Miami, he's finished in the top 10. So if that's all we need, he's our guy. His average finish out of all active drivers is 6, 12.5. That's right around the line that we're looking for. So tough to do. Clint Boyer, he is just so close, it seems like, this season. I mean, we talk about him a lot on this podcast just because he's perfect for these types of top 10 prop bets. I'm sure we're going to be talking about him more this season, but I'm really willing him, in my mind, to to take that jump to the next level. So another top 10, that, that value plus 225, come on, you kidding me? I really think Clint has the history here, and he's having um, a good season. He's not getting the finishes that we like to see, but I think the team has been strong at points this season. So finishing the top 10, I think this is a a really solid pick. Obviously we'll see how the odds change for Sunday, but right now I'm really liking Clint Boyer plus 225 top 10 finish. The other guy I want to talk about, the odds aren't as good as Boyer, but his history is damn good. And we're talking about Jimmy Johnson. What a performance we saw from Jimmy at Martinsville. I was shocked. Stage two was essentially all Jimmy Johnson, and the announcers were just absolutely losing their minds over the fact that Johnson was up leading the race and could potentially, you know, snap his streak at Martinsville. But it just goes to show you that Chevy's back, Hendrick's back. So Johnson right now going off at plus 100 to finish in the top 10 at Homestead. In his last 10 races here, one win, two top fives, five top tens. Now, he hasn't had a top 10 in a little while, all right? Not since 2016. A lot of these stats that we call out with Jimmy Johnson, we like to talk about the last 10 races here on this podcast. And it's not, the recent Jimmy is not what he was, you know, eight years ago, five years ago even. So we have to say he hasn't had a top 10 since 2016, but I think he's had a resurgence this year. He's performing well, leading those laps at Martinsville, that's going to give him momentum moving forward. And so let's look at then mile and a half racetrack so far this year. He's got two of four this year. He has finished in the top 10 and another one he's finished 11. So just outside the top 10. So when we're talking about mile and a half, he's there. He's right there. So the value is there. The stats are there. You know, the the heartstrings are there. He's pulling at your heartstrings. You want this guy to do well in his last season, his his retirement year. So mark me down for JJ plus 100 to finish in the top 10. The last pick that I have is a prop bet, and it's a group prop bet. And this is a group that I love to look at. And these are the guys, basically all the rookies. Tyler Reddick is the guy that I'm targeting. And his group, the, the prop bets aren't out, but... Every week, it's the same group. It's John Hunter Nemechek, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer. All right, they're usually all grouped together. And this week at home said, I'm going to take Tyler Reddick. Obviously, these guys don't have any history in the Cup Series, but Tyler Reddick's history lifetime at this racetrack is pretty damn good. He has six straight top six finishes. Obviously, the Cup Series is going to be different, but you got to loop in two wins. That's including the Xfinity races and truck races that he's performed here. So he knows his way around the racetrack. You're not going to find stats like that for any of these other guys as good as this. Six straight top sixes for Tyler Reddick. Mark me down. He's going to be going off at like plus 250. I love this bet. 
I love watching these like back of the pack guys. Tyler Reddick's had a great season so far. He's fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, he's up there. So the eight car really coming alive. I think he's going to dominate this group at Miami. So keep your eyes on this one come Sunday. And I think you're going to join me in placing this bet. All right, all right, all right. Now it's time to take a look at some head-to-head matchups that we're calling out this week that we really like, and we're going to make some picks based on these head-to-head matchups. But before we do that, as always, this section is sponsored by C&D Tees. Custom clothing for any event. You want to support a small business, these guys are it. You can find them on Instagram, C-N-D underscore Tees. doesn't matter whether you're trying to Get a lot of t-shirts all at once, like bulk size order, or if you just want one t-shirt just for yourself, these guys will do it all. Their pricing's fantastic. Their quality of the shirts are even better. So again, you can find them on Instagram at cnd underscore tees on Instagram. Get yourself a shirt. So let's move into some head-to-head picks, and I have to start with the big dogs at this track. It's Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. So these are the two guys who have won the last two races on the circuit. Harvick won Atlanta, Truex won Martinsville. These two are both phenomenal at Homestead, Miami. It makes all the sense in the world that you want to throw some action in on this head-to-head matchup. So they're essentially the two best drivers statistically. I mean, Matt Kenseth sneaks in there, but when you're looking at things from a reality standpoint, I mean, these are the two guys that are at the top. So looking at it, Statistically speaking, these guys are just through the roof. Kevin Harvick, we'll start with him. His driver rating out of all active drivers is first, 108.3. His average finish is 4.6. That's also best out of all active drivers. But Truex is right there with him. Driver rating is third, which is good enough for 105.5 rating. And the second place driver is Kansas. So you can essentially say that You know, he's second in driver rating right behind Harvick. Average finish is also third at 9.4 average finish in his last 10 races. Truex is right there. And you hear those stats and you're thinking Harvick, right? That's what you're thinking. But then you look at the history that these two have head-to-head at this racetrack. And you find a very interesting pattern. There's a, a group of threes, a rule of threes that come into play here. In the last three races at Homestead Miami, Truex actually leads 3-0. Then you go back three more races, and Harvick went on a three-run tear. That would make the lifetime series here 3-3 in the last six races. And then you go back three more races, and Truex had a three-run tear, making the series in the last nine races at Homestead Miami 6-3 in the favor of Truex which is kind of shocking. I mean, if you just pull up Kevin Harvick's stats at Homestead, you're like, wow, no one's beaten him. But in those last three races, Truex had his number every time, and he was only beating him by like one or two spots, but it was crazy to see that. So clearly Truex is on a tear against Harvick, but I have to go with Harvick as my pick in this matchup for a few different reasons. One, I tend to shy away from back-to-back winners in the season. So Truex coming off of a win on Wednesday night. I'm not going to pick him again um, to win the race. So I'm going to go with Harvick over him in this case. But if we're going with that group of threes, that pattern, 
it's Harvick's turn. <laughs> I mean, these guys trade off three races at a time. So it's Kevin Harvick's turn. And on top of that, Harvick's just having a better overall year. So mark me down for the four car over the 19 in my first head-to-head pick. Lock it in. Harvick's going off as a little bit of a favorite, but I'm okay giving up that money um, because I think he's going to win. The next matchup we have is a different one. Uh, former teammates, Eric Almirola versus Kurt Busch. So mid-pack for both of these guys statistically at this racetrack, but they're both pretty close to each other. So looking at the averages, Eric Almirola, his average finish is 19.6. Nowhere near the top 10 out of active drivers. And Kurt Busch, his is 16.7. So a little bit better for Kurt Busch. Then we're looking at, you know, how they finish. Almirola has three top 10s lifetime here. Busch, one top five and also three top 10s. So... Looking at the racetrack at Miami, you know, it was really a split down the middle. Uh, but I then wanted to see how these guys were faring on mile and a halfs. And this season at mile and a half racetracks, Kurt has a 3-1 lead, including three top tens at mile and a half this year. Again, that's Charlotte, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. So because he has a better season going overall, better on mile and a halfs this year, top tens, this year on mile and a half, and a better average finish at Homestead Miami. I'm going to go with Kurt Busch and the one team in this matchup over the 10. So again, Kurt Busch, they're going off at even minus 115 apiece, probably based on their history at this racetrack, but I think this head-to-head matchup favors Kurt. So mark me down, the one car, Kurt Busch. Now, I got to go back to the same well that I've had a few episodes ago and, and last episode at least. And it's the Hendrick camp, Alex Bowman versus William Byron. Now it's personal, okay? Now it's personal. If you've been a fan and you listen to this podcast for a little while, you know that William Byron and I, we just cannot get on the same page. Every time I take Byron to win in a head-to-head matchup, he screws me. And every time I pick against him, he buries the guy. And last week on this podcast, I said at Martinsville, I'm going to take Byron because I, I did the bullseye bet which we're going to take a break from this week because it's just not really working out for us. I did the bullseye bet. I got 24 on the nose with three darts. I said, man, he's going to roll at Martinsville over Bowman. And what happens? Well, he finishes eighth, a good top 10 for our boy in the 24 car. But where does Alex Bowman finish? Sixth. Loses the the head-to-head matchup for me. So Byron is just, I, I can't get him. So I'm pissed. Now it's personal. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what the stats say. I'm coming into this and I'm saying, give me Alex Bowman. No doubt. I don't give a shit. But I needed, for the sake of a, a better argument for those of you out there who don't have history with William Byron, give you a little bit more background. So because they only race here once a year, Byron only has two races at this racetrack. So not a lot of sample size here. And, and Bowman doesn't have much really for himself either. I think he only has like four or five total. So we're not getting a lot there, but in those two races, Alex Bowman has a 2-0 lead at this racetrack. So like I've been doing with these other guys, I wanted to look at the mile and a halfs this year and Alex Bowman. No top 10s for either of these guys. So neither of these guys are very good so far on mile and a halfs, but Bowman has a 3-1 lead at the mile and a half racetrack so far this year. Even better, you know? I mean, if I can justify my hate, if I can justify my revenge pick 
then that's even better. So mark me down for the 88 over the 24 this time, and we'll see how this works out. You, you know, he's. if you want to fade me on this one, I won't be upset, but I'm going with Bowman over Byron. The last head-to-head -head matchup that I have for you is Ryan Newman and Austin Dillon. This is a phenomenal battle when you look at these guys going head-to-head. -head. So the stats here, Austin Dillon has one top 10 lifetime. All right, six races, one top 10. Newman, in his last 10 races, has two top fives and five top 10. So that immediately draws your attention, right? They're both going off at minus 115, by the way. So that immediately draws your attention to Newman. And at this racetrack, Newman is four and two versus Austin Dillon. So again, all things that are saying, okay, give me the six team and, you know, let's go to work. But I wanted to look at, just like I've been doing, the mile and a halfs. And I found something pretty interesting. It's that Austin Dillon has been sneaky good on these mile and a halfs this year. I mean, you haven't really seen a lot out of the three car. They're not talking a lot about him, but he has two top tens this year on mile and a half racetracks, and he's four and O versus Newman on the mile and a halfs, which is staggering to me. So I started thinking about what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast and about how the track is going to be different than they faced in the past. So in this case, I'm going to throw history aside, even though Newman has a better history at this track against Dillon, I'm going to go with Austin in this matchup. They're both even minus 115. I'm going to go with the three car because of how he's performing this year. I know Newman missed some races. He's further back in the standings because he, he missed a few, but Dillon, he's up there. He's fighting for playoff position as well. So I like it. I like seeing him relevant and I like seeing him doing well, especially at these mile and a halfs. You know, I, I you don't think that those smaller teams now RCR historically is awful at Homestead Miami. They're they're really not that good. I think they're one of the only teams to not have a win out of the the larger scale teams. But that's something we're going to put aside. I'm still going to go with Austin Dillon in the three over Ryan Newman to finish off our head to head section. So to recap, I'm going with Harvick over Truex. Kurt Busch over Almarola, Bowman over Byron, and Dylan over Newman. Mark it down. In this week's Phil's Fired Up section, I want to tell you that I'm fired up for the weekend of racing that we have ahead of us because there's some things that are worth discussing. We've got four races all going down this week at Homestead. So we've got the cup race, obviously, on Sunday. But then you got the truck race Saturday night under the lights. I mean, that's phenomenal to me. You pop a few uh, adult beverages and, and toss on the race, maybe in the background, throw some cash down on it. What of it? You know what I mean? But there's two Xfinity races going down this weekend as well. Two. So the first one is on Saturday during the day, and the second one is before the cup race, I believe, on Sunday. And both of them are a little bit different in the way they're going to be playing out from a gambler's perspective. And I just have some thoughts, you know, because I'm really excited about it, but I'm also fired up because there are some things that could be better as far as the, the gambler's perspective on the way these races unfold. So first, let's just talk about the overall general bet that should be available in these lower series. And that is 
points getting drivers versus non-point getting drivers. And it's really coming down to, you know, the cup drivers versus the rest of the field. So for example, I think there should be a bet available in the truck series this weekend. We've got Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott once again coming down to race trucks. And I think there should be a bet out there that should be Chase and Kyle versus the field. And, you know, the book should be able to set those odds accordingly and should be able to take who you like. And that's phenomenal because, you know, you're either cheering for the younger guys or not the younger guys in some cases, Matt Crafton, but you get the picture, the, the truck series guys versus the cup series, or you're going for the big dogs. You know what I mean? Maybe you're, you're a fan of the favorites and that's what you're rooting for. So I think that's a phenomenal bet. And in the Xfinity series, that plays a factor as well this weekend because we've got another guy. He's not a cup driver anymore, but he's racing his lone Xfinity race this season. And it's going to be this weekend at Homestead, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to hop in that eight car to take on the field in Homestead this weekend. So I, you know, do you bet Dale versus the field? Now, I think he's the only guy really like that. So that bet might be a little skewed towards the, the series regulars. But my point remains the same is that that bet should be available as a prop bet. You know, non-series regulars versus the, the guys that are just coming in. And, you know, sometimes that could apply to Cup when they go to these road courses and they bring in the road course specialists. You can make that bet. So I really like that idea. Now, let's talk about some of these races and the, the bets within them that you can make. So starting with the trucks, because I'm a huge fan of the trucks, as I've said before. Going off this weekend, we've got Kyle, minus 143, and Chase going off at plus 350. So I think things have kind of, you know, come back down to earth for the the Kyle Bush. I mean, it's still ridiculous that he's minus money to win the race. Um, and I, I think that makes sense here because he simply just has more track experience on this racetrack than anybody in the field. But, you know, before we were seeing him going off at like minus 200, minus like 170, and the next best guy, Chase, was going off at like minus 550, minus seven, sorry, plus 550, plus 700. So the gap is shrinking between those two. But then if we throw those guys out the way, the next best guy is Brett Moffitt, plus 1200. And that's really where I'm looking this weekend because we saw last time around that both Kyle and Chase are not a given to win the race. In the past, it's felt that way. But both of those guys struggled at Atlanta, and we had a regular series regular win the race. And I like Brett Moffitt. I remember talking about Brett Moffitt last year on the podcast when we were talking about the championship four for the trucks. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a win at this racetrack when he won the championship a few years ago driving the 24 truck. And so at plus 1,200, that's a pretty good value for someone who I'm confident in. And it's really... You're, you know, you're saying, all right, well, if it's not going to be Chase or Kyle, who would you like? My initial instinct is Brett Moffitt, and I would have thought he would have been lower. Um, his odds would have been lower. So I like that number. Uh, I still may throw something down. I don't know. But if I'm not betting on Chase and Kyle, I'm going to be betting on Brett Moffitt, and we'll see how that shakes out. That number is speaking to me, plus 1,200. So we'll see. Now, if we're talking head-to-head -head matchup, 
if those become available on Saturday, Chase versus Kyle, I think Kyle is just desperate for some success in the truck series recently. So I'm going to be taking Kyle head-to-head versus Chase if that becomes available. Now let's talk about Xfinity. So the first race is the one with Dale Jr. And he's going off at plus 300. And you would think that he'd be the favorite here, but he's not. Chase Briscoe is just hot right now. And so everyone's all, you know, all up in his business. He's going off at plus 225 as the favorite to win the race. So do you go with Dale? I think I would. I mean, why the hell not? It's his only race of the year. If you're a Dale Jr. fan, I know there's millions of them out there. Throw some money down on him and have help yourself a good race watching it unfold. But plus 300 is good value too. It's not like it's the minus money like you're seeing from Kyle Busch every time he's down there. So plus 300 to Dale Jr. to win the race. I like it. Now, the real value, though, in my opinion, looking at the Xfinity races this weekend, Noah Gregson on Saturday is going off at plus 850. Now, I've been liking what I've been seeing out of Noah Gregson and that nine team for a little while now. In his last five races, he's performed very well, including three top five finishes. At Atlanta, he finished second to A.J. Allmendinger, and he finished first. He won the race at Bristol, which was huge. So he's, I mean, you want to talk about hot. He's on fire right now. A first and a second in his last two? Come on. So plus 850 stands out to me as damn good odds for someone that that, you know, is on fire like that. And he's technically the third favorite. So mark me down for, for Noah Gregson as well. Um, going off on Saturday. Now, another bet opportunity. They have this dash for cash thing in the Xfinity race where there's a few races a year where they mark four drivers eligible for this dash for cash. And the guy who finishes the highest out of all four of them wins $100,000. And A.J. Allmendinger jumped in a ride last weekend and won at Atlanta. Something you're not really, you know, expecting to see out of Allmendinger. He's really known as a road course guy, but you love to see him do well at Oval. He's involved now, and he's going up, I think, against Gregson, Hemrick, and Justin Haley, I think, are the four guys. So you should be able to just bet those four who's going to win the Dash for Cash. You might get that in the group betting available if that becomes available in your sports book, in which case I'm going to go with A.J. Allmendinger all day. I mean, ride the hot hand, right? Coming off that win, he's got to be through the moon right now to win on an oval. So that would be a fun bet. But overall, I'm fired up about the opportunity that's out there, the amount of different bets that you could be betting on and the amount of racing that's happening in this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. I love it. So go out there and see what bets you like. I hope you take some of the ones that we're calling out here and we'll cash in. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. They're going to Miami this weekend and it's going to be hot. And that's exactly what I want to stay after this race is over. I want to stay hot with these picks that we've got going on. So go out there, place some money down on these guys that we're calling out because these are winners and we're going to load up for the super speedway around the corner, Talladega. Remember, drive fast and take chances and we'll see you next time. Place to go. Have no place to go.